being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hello, party partners. It's a beautiful day here at Star Style, Be the Star You Are, as it always is. And we are happy you have joined our Power Hour. I am your and your personal growth expert, Cynthia Bryan. In today's show, Jane Lowry Christian returns with book three in the Quackless Duck series of adventures as a little rubbery duck finds his pals and survives the winter. Following Jane will be Cassidy Freeman, the villainous and eerily enticing Tess Mercer from CW's highly rated long-running number one series, Smallville, as she shares her experiences as the woman who conned her way into power at Luther Corps, and it is the season finality finale today um, at 8 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central. And in our third segment, Helios Dundalakis was a spy in World War II, and his book, I Was Trained to Be a Spy, is his story of escaping from the Gestapo and living underground in Greece. He, it's like talking to a real James Bond. It's going to be fun. But before we revisit with the wonderful children's author, Jane Lowry Christian, I just wanted to announce the new book, Be the Star You Are for Teens has just been selected as one of the top 50 books for tweens and teens by teen reviewers at RadicalParenting.com. So we are all very thrilled with this award as the book boasts 38 contributors who want to assist teens with living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. To pre-order a copy or for more information, visit BeTheStarYouAre.com. Well, I am just delighted to bring back to the airwaves one of the most charming children's authors and illustrators, Jane Lowry Christian, with a continuation of her Quackless Duck series. Jane is back. Hello, Jane, and welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Good afternoon. How are you today? I am great. Are you feeling like you're becoming a regular right here with us? Well, yes, I do very much. I hope that you're enjoying it as much as we do. Yes, I'm, well, I look forward to it every month. The Adventure of Quackless with book three in the series, Quackless Duck Finds His Pals and Spends the Winter with Them. And a, just a quick overview for all our listeners, Quackless is a rubber duck who was abandoned by a little boy who plays with him, and Quackless needs to find his little baby their pals after the flood, and with the help of his good friend Bailey, the little 
dog who rescued him in book two, which was Quackless Duck Gets Washed Away and Finds a New Home, Quackless finds his pals and learns how they survive in the winter. But when he's with his pals, Quackless has a visitor in the night, a little surprise, and his life changes again. So, Jane, when you were last with us on the radio, you mentioned that this series of books just seems to write themselves. And, you know, as I was reading this one and was, you know, it, I was on that journey with Bailey and Quackless as, as Quackless was trying to get Bailey to take him back into the woods to find his pals. But I, that was such a surprise uh, ending to the book for me, and I was really excited about it. Did, did you plan this, or was this another thing that just wrote itself? No, uh, it just wrote itself. I didn't have no idea how it would turn out. So how is this process going? Quackless Duck came to you. I mean, this whole whole idea of Quackless. And then you just start thinking. I mean, you just sit down and you start writing it? Yes, it it just, uh, he just goes along with uh, what needs to be said, I guess. I don't know how it happens. It just goes along. But, you know, the, the, uh, his two little bear friends with the mama bear and then Bailey the dog, are these, I mean, the, Bailey we know is based on a real dog. What about the bear friends? Well, they're just, um, they're fictitious, you know, but uh, uh, Quackless is fictitious too, except he he was a really a, uh, a rubber duck at one time and... Uh, uh, he had to have some friends because he was lonesome in book one, and they visited him ever whip stitch. But uh, he was swept away from there, and Bailey uh, found him in his predicament and took him home with her. And and in this book, Bailey he talks Bailey back into taking him to find his pals, which she does reluctantly. And uh, uh, so uh, she's in it about half of the book, and then uh, he finds his pals and. He spends the winter in the cave, of course, because they're bears, and uh, he he thinks he's in quite a predicament, but it works out, and he has a dream angel, and uh, this dream angel visits him through the uh, the rest of the series of the books and uh, uh, guides him along and changes him when she feels like it, and, and it, it all works out. Well, let's talk about how what happens with Quackless. So, uh, the, again, the name of this book, this is book three, Quackless Duck Finds His Pals and Spends the Winter with Them. And I want to also say that the book is uh, available at StarStyleRadio.com in the Reading Spell Success Program where you can actually listen to the story and it comes alive. And I think, Jane, you're going to be having CDs available for sale uh, fairly soon, won't you? Well, yes, yes, we will. So you'll be packaging the book with a CD, which what a, what a great package that will make for kids to be able to either listen to the story or follow along with your great illustrations. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in this, in uh, Quackless Duck finds his pals and spends the winter with them, um, Bailey, of course, is the dog who has been very, very good to Quackless and has been playing with Quackless. But Quackless wants to, he, he's lonely for his bear friends, and so he asks Bailey in this book to take him back to the woods to find his bear friends. But Bailey is a little reluctant to do that because Bailey has his Amy girl. Yes. <laughs> yes, he Who is Amy girl? How did she come with Bailey? <clears throat> Pardon? Who is Amy Girl? How did you develop her? Oh, well, she's a real girl, too. She's Bailey's owner. 
So Amy and Bailey are, they are actually authentic characters, so you borrowed them for the book. Yes, <laughs> I asked permission. So Bailey is, he's nervous, he doesn't really want to leave her, but he also doesn't like the fact that when she goes away, she puts him in his pen, and he gets back at her, doesn't he? Well, yes, uh, he finds a way to do that, but then he's always sorry. He's always sorry, and Quackless tells Bailey that it's not very nice, the things that he does, even though he's sorry. Yes. So yes, he does it's... take Quackless out on this journey, and then Quackless runs into his bear friends. But when they, when they finally get to the cave and Mama Bear, uh, Bailey isn't really happy about this. He's nervous because it's, he feels cold and he doesn't like the winter and he doesn't know what he's going to do when the bears go to sleep. Because he doesn't understand that the bears hibernate, yes. and since he's a rubber duck, mm-hmm. he doesn't really need to sleep. Well, no, uh, but of course he does. You know, he has been, so that's, that's the fantasy part. Um, he, he does go to sleep with the bears, but he wakes up and finds himself, after his angel visits, finds himself in the position of, have, of being hungry, so he has to look around for something to eat. But what it turns out is he's become a real duck. Yes, that's... uh, So Quackless is no longer a rubber duck. However, it doesn't seem like he has a voice yet, though, right? No. He still is Quackless. He goes and uh, has that happen in book four. (laughs) Yes. So book four will be coming up, and then we'll find the, the additional adventures of what happens to Quackless. Yes, that is true. Well, tell us about your illustrations. I am noticing, Jane, as, as each book comes along, each book, the illustrations are getting more elaborate, more distinct, and they're really beautiful. I love the colors you're using. Well, um, the uh, uh, publisher puts the colors on with, uh, um, what do you call it, with, on, at, with the computer, and I do the outlining and uh, uh, whatever goes on otherwise. And well, I'm getting more sure of myself as I go along. I think. And do you do you find that uh, you prefer writing or illustrating or both? Oh well, I prefer writing. Uh, writing is more your thing. Yes, I kind of struggle with the pictures, but they they come along after I read it a couple times. You know, each page I have to do each page with a picture. You know, that goes with it. Oh, no, that's interesting. So you start by doing the pictures and then you write the story? No, I write the story and then I do the... Then you do the pictures? Yes, uh, on each page. The picture goes with the page. Okay, so but so do you write the... You, when you write each page, you do, you do each drawing no. at that time or do you write the whole story? No, I do the whole book first and then I okay. do the pictures. That that kind of makes sense. I was thinking that would be different if you were doing it page by page. No, I'm not doing it that way. Now, do you actually go out into the forest or out into the woods, or are you drawing a lot on your childhood memories, or perhaps it's your grandkids? What's really your inspiration here? Well, uh, I I grew up on a farm, and I was always out in the timber with my brothers, and and uh, in the pasture, you know, and uh, a lot of this is just taken out of, I just start drawing and it just gets there. I hardly ever have to do a page over. Um, It's just like writing. It just comes and it's there. 
Um, well, see, what I really enjoy about you is that you really didn't start writing until your golden years with uh, Budgie and uh, Sissy's Adventure, which was your autobiography, basically, of growing up on a farm in uh, North Missouri. And now you have developed this keen skill for writing children's books. And it seems like when you just started one, now you're going to be doing, is it your seventh book you're working on now? Yes, I have the text done on that, but I don't have the pictures finished. How long does it take you to actually write a book? Oh, not too long, just according to how I feel. Uh, I can sit down and write two or three pages and, at a time. It uh, just depends. Uh, but, 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 Jane, does it come to you? I mean, when, when you decide to sit down, do you get up in the morning and you say, today I'm going to continue the story of Quackless, or are you out doing something else and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I have to, you know, something, quack, this would be great for Quackless. Because I know that when I'm writing, I get inspiration and I feel like I just have to sit down and write it. Well, that's the way I am. But I, uh, uh, thinking about it gets me a going, you know. So you think about it and then you get really excited. Do it. <laughs> How is your family, are they all excited about all these books that you've been writing? Oh, my uh, little great-grandkids love them. <laughs> they just oh, love they it. They're all excited. They're excited. So, do they have all the Quackless books already? Would they like you to be drawing them in the books? Well, that is a thought, but uh, uh, I, I just haven't did that. Uh, it would be fun, but how, who could I leave out? I mean, I couldn't put them all in there. So, no. would I well, leave but, out? You know, the way that you're becoming so prolific in your writing, maybe Quackless is going to be visiting all your grandchildren. You have how many grandchildren now, five? Well, uh, my grandchildren are all grown. They've got great-grandkids. I've got 15 greats. 15 great-grandkids? Yes, I do. Oh, I had it totally wrong then. So, oh, I didn't even know that you had the great-grandkids. Yes, I do. <laughs> so that is very exciting. My grandkids are all grown up and getting their own families. Oh, right. Oh, that's wonderful. Let's give the name of this series. It's Quackless Duck Finds His Pals and Spends the Winter with Them. And this is uh, written and illustrated by Jane Lowry Christian. This is book three in the Quackless Duck series, and she is has written all the way up to book seven, although she has not illustrated book seven yet. But uh, give us a sneak preview, Jane, of what's going to be happening with Quackless now that he has become a real duck. The angel has given him the grace of being a real duck. What's going to be happening with Quackless next? Well, he uh, the next one he gets a voice transplant involved in love, and uh, but uh, that doesn't work out too well. But we'll see about that when we get back. But. Uh, he takes some falls and bumps in, in the next book. <laughs> well, very good. Well, let's uh, let's tell people where they can get your books, both Budgie and Sissy's Adventures and the Quackless Duck series. Also, you can go to StarStyleRadio.com where you'll be able to hear her books in audio form. But you have a phone number that you wanted to give out, right? Yes, I do. It's, yes, uh, let's give that. All right. 888 888- Seven nine five seven nine five four two seven four four two seven four, or they can go online on Google 
and uh, type in uh, X-L-I-B-R-I-S dot com forward slash bookstore and then click on search and put uh, Jane Lowry Christian as the author and my books will come up. Will come up. So Jane Lowry Christian, the books again is the Quackless Duck series. Quackless Duck finds his pals and spends the winter with them is the one we were talking about. Jane, thank you so much for coming back and sharing more of the adventures of Quackless and his pals. And we'll look forward to when Quackless gets a voice and especially falls in love. Yes, he uh, Thanks, has Jane, for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. When we come back, you we are going to be meeting Cassidy Freeman, the villainous Tess Mercer from the popular TV series Smallville. Stay with us. I'm Cynthia Bryan. I'm your personal growth coach here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in a minute. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature Star Style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestaryouare.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. 
Well, thank you, you stars, for staying with us on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where every week we bring you the authors, the experts, and the celebrities that enhance and improve your life. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan. It is my pleasure to be here with you, and you will be so happy that you stayed with us. In real life, our next guest is a world traveler who cares about the planet and the people who live in it, although you know her best as the big bad villain, Tess Mercer, who is controlling Luther Corps on the popular TV series, Smallville. The beautiful and the brilliant Cassidy Freeman is with us today. Welcome, Cassidy, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Well, it's exciting to have you, and I, first of all, I want to, again, on the air, in front of the world, thank you so much for endorsing our new uh, book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, and what you may not know is just this week it was selected as one of the top 50 books for tweens and teens, so we really appreciate your involvement in this worthwhile project. Yeah, congratulations on that. I know, it is so cool. We're really excited. Well, I know that tonight is the uh, final finale, I guess, of the season of Smallville, and then you'll be on to something new. So we want to just talk a little bit about your role as the cunning Tess Mercer on Smallville, and then I'd love to find out all the new things that you've got going, especially the movie that you're going to be making with your brother, which sounds just so awesome. So... um, Tell us about Smallville. I understand, Cassidy, that you were actually spotted while you were performing in New York, um, of doing a play about a girl who won't speak or giving up talking during Lent. So you were spotted by a talent manager in L.A., and that's what kind of got you into Smallville? Yeah, well, actually, I moved to L.A. right after I graduated college at Middlebury College in Vermont, and uh, with the hopes of being in film and television, and Anyone who's out here can tell you it's not that easy to do. No, it's a tough there, one, isn't it? Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of things in your way, but I'll tell you something. The moment that I stopped believing in everybody else's belief systems and believed in myself um, is when things started happening. And uh, and I left LA to go to New York to do this play that that I got offered, and um, it was off Broadway at the Atlantic Stage Two. It was such a great opportunity, and more importantly, I was getting to work with people that I knew and respected and admired. And while I was in that play, um, actually a manager in New York saw, saw the play and wanted to sign with me. And she wanted me to go back to L.A. because if you want to be in film and television, L.A. is where you have to be. Right. Um, and so, uh, so I came back here and things just kind of fell, fell into my lap after that. I did, a, I did a pilot for the CW, the same network that Smallville is on, that actually didn't go to television. Um, but it introduced the CW and myself. And then uh, when the role for Smallville came out, they asked me to come audition, and it all worked out. So, But, you know, you just said something, Cassidy, that I think is so important, and it, and it really uh, piggybacks on what you wrote in the book, Be the Star You Are, and the whole idea is that you've got to believe in yourself. And you said that there's nobody that's better at being you than you, and that's yeah. what happened with you, is that when you stopped listening to the other people and believed in yourself, it had happens, and that's mm. when magic does happen. Yeah, you know, I always thought of myself as a really, like, independent and self-confident person, and I think, I thank my family and my mom especially for that. She's just such a wonderful woman, and, um, you know, but you come out to L.A., and, and I chose maybe the most difficult profession um, to really love yourself in for some reason, uh, because everybody's trying to tell you to be something that you're not, 
And, or to be uh, somebody else, to act yeah. like somebody else. And, well, yeah, there, and there's acting and there's projection, not. isn't it? You're always too too tall, too short, too pretty, too ugly, too fat, too skinny. I mean, exactly. And you're never right, you know. You just got to believe that, hey, when it's right, it's right. But I'll tell you something. Half the time when you go into a room to audition for something, they don't even know what they're looking for. They They write it down, you know what I mean? Brunette, blonde, um, you know, tall, short, whatever, but they don't know. They have no idea. If you come in there and you believe that you're the right person, then you're going to wow them nonetheless. So, And, and that's the whole thing. And isn't that true just in life in general? It's just own who you are. Be yes. the best person you can possibly be, and don't try to live up to anybody else's dream. Live your own dream. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had really fabulous parents, and you had a really, um, you have a a great family life, and I understand that you moved to Montana for a while, and you, uh, your your parents were cattle ranchers there? I mean, you grew up in Chicago, though, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I grew up in Chicago, and my parents are both lawyers, and they actually worked together for the same firm, um, uh, and I grew up going to high school there, but in the late 70s, my mom, who is from the West, decided that that's where she wanted to retire once we were all out of school. I'm the youngest of three. And, um, and so my parents bought a ranch. They, they took all the money they had and they bought a piece of land and we've had it since before I was born. And so every summer and Christmas we'd go out there and now that I'm out of the house, they actually live out there full time. Really? Do you go back very often? All the time. All I love the time. It. I mean, do you still feel like that has some roots for you? It's actually stronger to me than Chicago because I my parents aren't in Chicago anymore. So when I go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas or you know whatever I, or the summer, I go home to them in Montana. And Montana's home. See, I so get that. I mean, I grew up on a farm ranch, and that's my home. And even though now I've been away from where I grew up longer than I was there, to me that's my roots. That's that's where yeah. where I feel my soul flows from, and where I get just my impetus to keep going. So uh, your brothers are both actors as well. Yes, they are. And mm-hmm. you have something coming up this summer. You're going to start working on. Is this the Yellow Brick Road? Yeah, it's, it's a movie called Yellow Brick Road, and uh, my brother and I are both um, producing and and starring in it. That is the best thing to do. You're not going to direct it though, too. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> You're not doing not. that. What about having your other brother direct it? No? <laughs> I'm not going to pull a Zach Braff. I know. Um, gosh. Well, tell us about this. What is it? What's it going to be like? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I went to school at Middlebury College in Vermont, and it's a, it's a very small school, but it has such a strong artist community, which is why I went there. And it just after we leave school, we all seem to thrive in some way because we've really learned how to stand on our own two feet. And the two writers and also the directors, um, they're like co-writing and co-directing, uh, they're also graduates from Middlebury College that actually went to school in between my brother and I. My brother went to Middlebury as well. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so did you know them while you were there at school? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, yeah. so, oh, I love this. So this is a great collaboration between friends as well. Absolutely. That's absolutely what it is. So they, they wrote this script and it had a brother and sister duo in it and, uh, Things started, you know, coming into the works that it was going to be able to be filmed this summer, and uh, and they offered it to us, and we said absolutely. So, and it is a thriller. Is that what it is? And it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like a horror movie thriller. I'm not one for horror movies; like they scare me very. Well, I get really scared too. So, how are you going to do this? I think maybe being in it versus watching it will help me. But it's actually a really cool story. It's based on it's based on um, something that's semi real. It happened with Eskimos, but the story is basically that a town in New Hampshire 
um, followed a trailhead into the forest in 1940 um, for no reason whatsoever. Uh, at least nobody knows why. And they all disappeared. And nobody knows where they went. And because of the war and the economy and everything, it kind of got swept under the rug. And people didn't want to talk about it. Now, fast forward to today, and you have a team of eight people that are compiled to follow the same trailhead and see what happened out there in the forest and find out where this lost town is. Ooh, it does sound it do, does sound a little um, it heart. You know, your heart's going to be beating with it. <laughs> now, is there a lot of preparation you have to do for it? Um, absolutely. I think because it's not some sort of big studio thing, you know, and, and I'm also playing the role of producer. That and I was just going to say, because the producing part, that adds another, you know, another element to the work you have to do. Yeah, it's more work, but it's also it's, it's also more control and more input creatively, which with these group of people, it seems doesn't seem like work, you know. So, um, it, yeah, I mean, I have to prepare also to choose who to cast and, and, and locations and hire people to do fabulous jobs like costume designing and makeup, but then I also have to work on the character. Um, thankfully, my brother and I are brother and sister, so playing brother and sister won't be too difficult, I hope. Um, have you ever, uh, pl- you know, acted together before? Only on stage. Um, I've never acted with my eldest brother. Uh, he's 10 years older than me. His name's Crispin. Um, but Clark and I have, we were in The Wizard of Oz together, uh, which is funny that this movie this is, is called Yellow Brick Road. Yellow Brick Road. Uh, yeah, when I was that very is, young. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Kind of synchronistic. Yeah, and I played the Munchkin Lawyer. But I think that's the last time we were, uh, we acted together, so this will be a new experience. Now, is Clark also working in Los Angeles um, at this time, too? Yes, they both are. My eldest brother, Crispin, is a voiceover actor, and Clark owns a non-for-profit theater company. Uh, oh, in good. Yeah. So you are really all really very active in it. Well, also, you do, besides working on uh, television and doing these the movies, too, you also um, are into philanthropy, and you teach or tutor underprivileged kids? I do. I, I, I tutor. I, when I first moved out here, I, um, I knew I didn't want to wait tables uh, because I knew that knowing what kind of iced tea someone wanted wouldn't really help me in my acting career. And so I, I searched out a job. Um, That's tutoring, a great line. <laughs> <laughs> tutoring and teaching kids um, creative dramatics because that's what I love to do, and I love children. So, um you know, and I'm a, a, a silly child myself. So, uh, yeah, so you were able to get your own characters out by helping the other kids get theirs. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's called the Virginia Avenue Project, and it's basically a program that does a lot of different tutoring and teaching um, on the west side of Los Angeles, just for kids who maybe don't have the money for after-school programs or, you know, don't really know what to do with themselves, they can come here and really express themselves. Well, it's so important to give back, I think, as, as you know. But, you know we, when we have so much just helping kids, uh, just to watch that sparkle in their eyes. And, and it's interesting how they can just develop such a fantasy life from nothing. Uh, do you find that they are extremely creative with their thoughts and ideas and their performances? Yeah, and what's even more interesting is noticing when they start to lose that and pushing their buttons so that they don't. Yeah, um, yeah. It's you know it, it starts happening. I think you know when they get into school and people start telling them just like what you happened when you went to L.A. that you're too tall, you're too smart, you know, keep sm- keep quiet, don't talk so much. 
all of that, then they start losing their creativity because we're kind of squashed. We have to let kids emote and be those wonderful vessels that they are. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm and thrilled that you're doing that. Now, what's, uh, what's in store then for the fall? Will you be back with Smallville? It's funny that you asked me that today because um, you will find out tonight uh, whether or not I die. Oh on the no! It, it, I know this is a big this is a big issue. Two characters are dying in tonight's season finale. Oh no! I have not. Well, we hope able, it's not you. I have not been able to say a single word about you it. You can't <laughs> say a single word. I guess if it was tomorrow, you'd be able to say a single word. No, but how has the experience been? I mean, here you're playing. Your brother's name is Clark. You know your playing with Clark Kent. I mean, how, how has it been? I, I have just always been a huge fan of, of Superman, and I always have felt like Superwoman. So has this been fun? And especially because you're such a kind person, how was it playing this villain? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I don't really know why they called me in for this. I remember going to the audition being like, villain? This is going to be a rough one. But, um, but I am very tall, and I'm really good at, at I'm really good at the no smile game. Uh-huh. You know, a straight face. So, um, and you so know, you stare them down. Is that what you do, Cassidy? Yeah, yeah, I do. I just stare them down. Uh, it's really fun to play something that you're totally not because you get, that's even more play, you know? Right. It um, is. It is. And it, you know, I think we all have these other sides of us. You know, we all have that, that, we all have the light and the darkness. And when we really are kind people, it's so much fun to dig into that nastiness that we never let out. Yeah. <laughs> Because we know it's not really real, so we're allowed exactly. to. Exactly, <laughs> especially when it's not real and it's never going to hurt anybody. Yeah, yeah. So you've, have you really had a blast with it? Yeah, it's so much fun. And I can't, like, people People think I'm lying when I say how wonderful everyone is in the cast and the crew, but they really are. And the show's been on for eight years, you know, know so they must be doing really something right. a really long time. Yeah. Well, I'm just hoping that you don't die. I guess we just all have to stay tuned and watch Smallville at 8 p.m. Pacific, uh, what is that, 7 Central, I think, yeah. um, tonight on the CW to see what happens in the final character. Well, now that you are producing, this is your first movie that you're producing, The Yellow Brick Road? Yes. Uh, do you think, well, I guess maybe it's too soon to even ask you this, but do you have other projects in line, or are, are there other things that you want to do? What are your dreams and aspirations? Um, I, have, I have so many <laughs> dreams and aspirations. Um, I, love, I love doing subject matter that um, affects me. I know it, it's, it's picky. That it matters, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that maybe isn't even like a big statement, but it's somehow I can relate to it in some way. Um, because I really think that storytelling is a healing aspect, and I think that it's something that people can view other people's lives, and it will tell them something about their own. And whether that format is in a short film or a play or a movie or a blockbuster hit really doesn't matter to me all that much. Um, so right now I'm still, I mean, I'm, I'm out there like everybody else. I'm still auditioning. I just had an audition today, went out there, No, you know, Luckily, I look different enough on television that people don't really know who I am. Yeah, that was going to be a question. You don't feel you've been typecast or anything now, right? Oh, not yet. Oh, you yet, hope no. not. No, 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 definitely not yet. And I think it takes um, I think it takes a lot of time in one role to be typecast or also, uh, and this is to my benefit, I think, a role that's just like you. Because if people see you on television and then they meet you or they interview you and you're exactly the same, then you might be typecast, but I'm right, very but lucky. Right, but you're so in that. different, so this is really positive. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, one last thing. You have traveled a great deal, and you, you're bilingual. You speak, is it Spanish is your second language? Yes, I do. Because I know you majored in that uh, as oh. well, theater and, and Spanish. But you lived in Bolivia? I did. That is fascinating. I just think, I mean, I love South America. I was just lecturing in Chile and Argentina and Uruguay, and that was, but I didn't get to Bolivia, and I always wanted to go to Lake Titicaca. I love yeah. saying that. <laughs> It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen, like Titicaca particularly. But Bolivia, I went there because uh, 80% of the people there are 100% indigenous. And I don't think there's any other place on the earth like that except maybe in the depths of Africa. Um, and I just I find that really intriguing. Um, yes. Yes, and it had to be really it's totally fascinating to meet that to meet real native people doing, you know, with their traditional lives and have been doing this for thousands of years and really not contaminated by outside world as every place else is. Well, you are just an absolute gem. It's just been delightful speaking with you. Should we give out any website or you want your blog site or a Twitter site or what would you like? Um, I, I am on Twitter. You can follow me if you want. I'm not sure you'll be too riveted, but um, but it definitely is a new thing. I know. I don't. I don't understand Twitter yet, but I. I, I guess I'm just behind the times. So that's twitter.com forward slash Cassidy Freeman. Is that correct? There it is. I'm guessing that's correct. All oh, right. See, I'm really getting good. Twitter.com Cassidy Freeman. Well, everyone will be looking forward to uh, the movie Yellow Brick Road. Cassidy Freeman will be producing and starring in that with her brother. Clark, that will be coming soon, and of course, the season finale of Smallville, and all the best of success to you, and we just know you're going to knock them dead on whatever, whatever audition you go on that you're meant to get, you're going to get it, right, Cassidy? That's exactly right. Just give them your best. <laughs> Thank you, Cynthia. Wonderful Thank you so much, Cassidy, for being with us on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and we'll be in touch. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and when we come back... We are going undercover. It is going to be spy time. I was trained to be a spy with a true life story coming right up. Stay with us. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. 
Annie Arman Live. Teens, you have got to tune into this show and listen to your fellow teens. If you're out there confused because somebody is trying to put doubts in you, making you think that you can't do what you want to do, get it straight. You can, you will, and you will get it done no matter what. And don't ever give up because you're not alone. Don't miss Annie Arman Live on Voice America, Wednesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, appreciation to you for staying tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, right here where the world comes to talk. I am Cynthia Bryan. Can you imagine what it would be like to be trained as a spy? What would it be like to be jumping from planes, getting commando defense, training, environmental assimilation, learning to lie and steal, and finally actually how to eliminate yourself if need be. Well, our next guest, Helios Dundalakis, was only a teenager when the Germans invaded the island of Crete where he was living. He has chronicled his war years in his autobiographical book, I Was Trained to Be a Spy. Welcome, Helios, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I really uh, appreciate it that to bring me to your program uh, to talk about my book and my OSS. Well, I can't wait to hear your version because this was a page-turner. I was trained to be a spy. You were just a teenager when the uh, Germans invaded. Now, you were born in Ohio. I was 17 years old. Although you were living in Greece. Did you think of yourself as an American when you were a boy, or was it not really until you joined the OSS? No, no, no. All, all the time. Uh, you see, I was born in Canton, Ohio, and very young. I went to Crete, uh, and with my brother, and <clears throat> everybody was calling us the American boys. Oh, the American boys! Aha. Uh-huh. We, we grew up uh, with that uh, a name, and uh, when I was seventeen years old, the I was watching a couple miles away the the. Uh, Germans falling with parachutes uh, uh, on Crete. Well, you were with your father in the vineyards. You were spraying, that's, right? That's right. I was, uh, um, uh, in a matter of fact, that uh, two uh, patrol planes spotted us while we were spraying the vines, and they obviously they thought that we were soldiers, and twice they came fired at us, and we were lucky to jump in a... In a uh, in, in a 
dish, dick. Uh, you were in a ditch. ditch. Yes. And uh, uh, we were not hit. And then uh, in a few minutes, we saw hundreds of uh, parachutes falling only a couple of miles from wh- where we were. So yeah, this was at 17. So then what happened is you actually went underground. Yes. And uh, tell us about the organization OSF. Yeah, well, you see, because we were talking English, the, um, uh, the English uh, intelligence service, uh, the SOE, they called them, uh, they were in Crete. They wanted someone who knew English. So my brother and I were continuously, let's say, uh, talking with the officers uh, in, in the island. And uh, when all the, um, the troops left, uh, uh, most of the officers uh, of the SOE um, uh, were... Uh, thinking what to do, to leave or to stay. Finally, they told my brother, "Why don't? Why should we leave? Uh, why don't you go to the uh, to the Iraklion, which was the capital of Crete, and form an organization?" He says, "Yes, I will." So he went and uh, um, contacted all his uh, classmates, friends, me, of course. So for two years, from 1941, uh, the Germans came in May to um, to May of 1943. We had a, a very successful and, and, and broad uh, uh, organization, which uh, was sending uh, continuously German movements. And uh, thousands, I would say thousands of Germans either drowned in ships or or killed uh, in different ways because of the information we were given. Well, That's- you went, you know, th- this was what was so fascinating to me. You went to Egypt yes. where th- originally the English wanted you to be part of their secret service, but because you were an American, you asked to be part of the American Secret Service, right? That's, that's exactly. You see, they they notified, uh, uh, and the torpedo boat came, picked up me, myself, my brother, and a few others, and the two, we went to Egypt. In, in uh, they put us in a beautiful villa outside from from Cairo to thank us what we had done. Uh, but in the meantime, OSS. By the way, OSS was the um, forerunner of CIA, you know, uh, America's yes, the first OSS intelligence. Was, the CIA came after the OSS, right? Yes. So, so immediately the Americans, uh, no, the Americans found, heard from the British that two brothers were uh, in, in, in Cairo, and they were American citizens. Uh, they they had experience for two years in underground and so and so. And um, uh, they they sent a Amer- Greek American captain. The name was James Kelly, and and uh, got in touch with us. And said, "Look, you are American uh, citizens. Why don't you come and work with with us with OSS?" Uh, the English heard it and objected. It says, no, we want to send them to a different part of Crete. Uh, my brother says, what's the difference? We, bo- we both fight with this for the same enemy. So anyway, 
one day he came and told us jump in the car and we he went to the general headquarters of OSS in in um, in Cairo. We had to go through three barbed wires and guards and so on. And we were surprised when we went to the office, uh, three American officers came to welcome us as if they knew we were coming. And then they, they said, okay, we're going to put you in the American army and, and then take you to OSS to train you as spies because uh, uh, you had experience. Uh, so... Uh, they um, uh, they they have heard so much about us that they made my brother or my older brother uh, in uh, from without basic training that was never heard in the American army without basic training they made him staff sergeant and I was made of course the younger one I was made a corporal. Uh, then that, you were only 19 then, right? I was 19 at that time, yes. That is so amazing. And then immediately you were put, you were given such luxurious accommodations. I chuckled at how you, you oh, said yes, that how you grew up in Crete and you didn't even have uh, a ba- indoor plumbing or electricity, and now you had lavish, you know, you were in villas and palaces as you we were being were, The school was in, in, uh, in uh, King's Farouk's. King Farouk's uh, brother-in-law, he had three palaces, so he rented one to OSS. It was unbelievable, the place, that was the spy school. So this, so, this huge palace was spy school? Yes, the, 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 that, that, uh, our school was really originally a palace. So, yeah. Was uh, it five months that you had to go through this intense months, training yeah. then where you had to go through parachute jumping, you know, jumping out of the planes, and then you you became really good at the Morris Code and the wireless because that wireless, became your job. Yeah. And also they taught us uh, very hard uh, training, how to steal, how to open locks, how to open safes, how to cheat. How to how lie. How to lie, how to... To inter- to um, uh, come with a, a story uh, that uh, really uh, would not be true, but in order to escape, how to escape, they taught us that we had uh, um, uh, like baby books, hardcover books, and they had ways. Uh, they showed us uh, we had to choose the way to jump from a window or put a uniform and escape and so on. Well, you know, this to me was really fascinating because that training, when you were going through it, you're thinking, oh, I have to learn to lie and to cheat and all this. But being able to make up a story just like that, that saved your life several times. Oh, yes, yes, it saved our time, my time. One time I was swimming and... uh, uh, I forgot to put, to take my watch out that uh, was given by OSS and made in the United States. And uh, as soon as I got out from the swimming pool, two German officers who were sitting uh, lying down in the chairs called me and said, where did you get that watch? And immediately I thought the train he says, look, let me not tremble and so on. I got find something. So immediately I said, oh, this watch I, I got from... Uh, 
uh, I bought it from a, a German soldier. I gave him eggs, I gave him nuts, I gave him some money. He had two, three watches. Now, this uh, was not, it was really a possible solution that the, the German had gotten it from the, um, uh, from the American soldier, killed the American soldier. So uh, they looked at uh, each other, you know, and they uh, looked at the watch and then looked at me and what did they saw? I was only, only, uh, not, not, uh, I was about 20 years old by that time. Uh, innocent looking guy, if they only knew that I was or the, um, uh, a corporal in the United States Army, it would be an insult to <laughs> Gestapo. Uh, well, and you know, your, that line saved you again when you had all that money in your pocket when you were oh, trying yes, to exchange yes, yes. dollars. I went and they said, to Where did you get all this money? And you said, Oh, don't you go down and you know all the gambling that goes on. And, I mean, it, it amazed me how fast you were able to think on your feet. Uh, but don't forget that uh, uh, while I went to Greece, uh, I had a belt, a belt, an nylon belt with many pockets, 150 gold sovereigns, and a little gun on the right bigger pocket. And, and then I was holding a can um, that had my radio in it and the bottom and on the top was filled up with olive oil. And you know that I went with a German boat when they, they, they supposed to drop me by parachute and the, uh, outside from Salonica. Uh, and, and then at the last moment they, they said, no, no, don't drop him because there are 80,000 Germans uh, out, uh, sheltering themselves outside and inside the city and sending by, by, by land. So they dropped me someplace, and when um, at four o'clock in the morning, in the morning I said, "How do we go to Salonica, the second uh, biggest city in Greece?" He says, "Are you kidding? There is nothing." Oh, by the way, today a German boat leaves uh, in ten, ten o'clock, and uh, sometimes they feel sorry of people and they take them because they know that there is no way to travel. So I went there. And uh, there were uh, three Ger three Greeks uh, rolling some uh, um, uh, barrels inside the boat, and then outside there were three Germans. One was a German sergeant. As, uh, I, I went and I almost cried. I said, "Look, for two weeks I'm trying to get this oil, olive oil, because my my family is starving in Salonica, and please take me." He looked at me and says, "Boy, this guy." Um, if they, if he knew that, uh, I so was, he knew that you were really a spy. So I was traveling all day with a German boat. I went for about, uh, I don't know, uh, all day from ten o'clock in the morning to six o'clock in the afternoon. I was traveling with Germans. But then they also wanted some olive oil for their salad, didn't they? Oh, yes. And you actually had to open it. That time, and the man yeah. that was with you, he was so nervous. He was older. He thought you oh, were going to get caught. My other one, my uh, partner, no, this guy was going to a different city, and he had the same belt, the same gun, the same everything. And... Um, and uh, at noon time, the German came out and gave uh, 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 canned food to the to the other German, uh, other Germans and Greeks. And, and then um, the, the the Greek uh, one of the Greeks showed 
our uh, cans of oil. So the, the, the sergeant comes and looks at, at them. I, um, uh, I said, oh, why are, why are they looking at there? I went there, and he had a, a big platter of tomatoes, and he wanted some olive oil. So I just went and I gave him some olive oil, and uh, uh, the, the German did not suspect. I didn't want him to rest. Well, another thing, Hilius, I think that helped you so much is that you were so calm and you were so young. So when you got to Salonika and you set up your your so-called business, everyone, all the girls were after you and their fathers. Oh, yes, yes. They realized I had a that you were a I even bought an accordion. I even bought an accordion. Yes, and you bought your accordion. I know I wanted to ask you for you and you paid twenty gold sovereigns for that plus two or uh, for the case. Yes. How yes. Uh, do you still have that accordion? Uh, no, uh, as I say in the book later on, a cousin of mine uh, sold it uh, because he was drinking and he needed money. So <laughs> I thought by maybe the, he had gotten this, it back this... at the end of the story. Well, it's a fascinating book. Let's give your website out because you know I just can't even imagine that you had a pill that you, if you were caught, you would have you would have to take a cyanide pill. But you were able to get yourself out of every situation and. You survived. Yes, that I was given. I was uh, given cyanide pills. Uh, uh, you know, cyanide uh, pills. Well, uh, the name of the book is "I Was Trained to Be a Spy." It is a true life story by Helios Dondulakis, and he is an American born who lived in Greece and became a spy for the United States during World War II and did an amazing job, was extreme, was responsible for helping rid the Germans from, uh, from Greece. It must have been a very difficult time, too, because I'm sure there were some very, there were probably some kind Germans that you met, and I know that that had to be sad, you know, when you make well, yes, friends with people and then you know I... that they're the enemy. But what a great book, Helios. So, again, the website is... www.iwastraintobeaspy.com Dot com or dot net? Uh, both, both. Oh, oh, perfect. I was trained to be a spy.com or I was trained to be a spy.net. Well, Helios, thank you for being on our show, and uh, I hope that you're still not spying. We didn't get to all the other the other great achievements that you have done. He worked on the Apollo space mission. He uh, worked on the F-14 Tomcat fighters and the space shuttle. And most of all, you did. You have the patent for the radio telescope um, that was used in the design for the largest of its kind, right, in uh, yes, Puerto Rico. Yes, I have a patent on it. Yes. Well, congratulations. You are amazing, and it's such a fascinating autobiography. Your family must be very proud of you. So thank you, Helios, for being on our show, and thank you all of you for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be back with you again next week, and until we celebrate, go out into the day, and remember to take a look in the mirror and admire yourself. You are a wonder of creation. Our goal has been to inform, inspire, and motivate you to greatness. Be the star you are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Thank you for joining me on Star Style. Be the star you are.
Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are Nonprofit Corporation, please visit be the star you are.org. That's be the star you are.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.